Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com does a great job covering all things Texas A&M and was featured very predominantly there in the Johnny Manziel documentary. And Billy, my man, it's a, it's good to hear from you, good to talk with you, and you look great on the tube last night, man. How you doing? Oh, thanks, John. I'm good, man. Been busy, busy little stretch there the last few days. Things have been, uh, things have been nuts. You know, it started coming out a little at a time, and uh, you know the little the reviews started rolling in long before I watched it. You know, so I, I, we watched it last night at about. Seven text ads we got together, ran out a little theater and watched it. So I was reading everything before I saw it. So it's pretty unique because we recorded that, you know, months ago. I guess it was after the first football game last year where they interviewed me for it. So been excited to see. Was there anything that uh, maybe you thought they could have expanded upon or maybe something that you felt may have been left out of it? You know, I I don't think really specifically. I think they could have dove into some stuff a little deeper had they had more time. And I don't know why the hour 10, you know, as opposed to a different amount of time. But I think just if anything, just a little longer. You know, I think that 2013 season was pretty dang interesting. Um, I think, you know, when people would wonder, like, a little more about the uh, – the Cleveland stint, but it was just kind of, I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it was really well done. I don't know. I think in those type things, it's always better, and I don't know much about it. Hmm. It's always better to be shorter than longer. I think you, you, you can leave people going, man, I could have watched that for another hour as opposed to saying it drug on too far. I mean, I think they tackled the most important stuff in in that amount of time to let everyone get a really, really clear picture of kind of the madness and and kind of its effect on him both then and and to this day. Yeah, it was it was fascinating to see miss a lot of the things that maybe most people didn't know about outside of what was going on, but you've been covering Texas AM and and talking about Texas AM for a long time. Uh, did you were you aware of all the things that were mentioned, or at least most of the things mentioned that were going on behind the scenes when Manziel was there on campus, or were there some things that you even learned about that you weren't even realizing once the documentary came out? Not too much now, but I learned a lot after the fact there in twenty twelve and thirteen. I was aware of a lot just in terms of the the running around party and, you know, how it was always going at 110 miles an hour and no seatbelt. And it was just, you know, I was aware of the circuit. And I knew some, you know, a lot of the difficulties in terms of reining him in, you know, when he would be gone the whole summer prior to uh, his sophomore year. Just how, you know, reckless he was. <clears throat> As far as the, the autograph stuff, that all came out about the same time everybody else found out about it, as far as I know. And, uh, you know, then then I started paying attention to that a lot more closely in terms of the NCA investigation. Because to me, from where I sat, there was a story to, to 
to Chase. And I wanted to get as little of that from Johnny as possible. Like, I didn't want to. We had a good relationship at that time. We you know, have become kind of like got a little, you know, little brother feel to him, you know, for me. We've known each other now for like 12 years, and I think he knew even beforehand, you know, how recruits are nowadays. That you're looking at A&M, Arkansas, or Texas, and they're on all the websites. And so there was that kind of familiarity with me when we got here, and then we just bonded, you know. And uh, we're different in a lot of ways. We're like-minded in a lot of ways. And I think, I, to me, it's interesting that myself and Cliff were in that. I always felt like we were kind of in that in-between stage where we weren't as you know, buddies he's running around with, or high school or college buddies, but we also weren't. Uh, Cliff at the time was his OC, his quarterback coach, more so than, uh, you know, like what Kevin Sumlin would be or an athletic director or his dad, you know, these authority figures, especially since Cliff was only there one season and then gone. I know they're still really close to this day as well, but no, like when it came to that stuff, I felt like there was a story there, kind of just like I had just come off covering the realignment thing, and I wanted to find out as much as I could about that investigation and the punishment of it without dragging him in, or you know dragging him in and kind of relying on that, which is funny because I found out about that suspension, and I didn't believe after all of that, you know, months of that that this guy's going to be suspended for a half a game against Rice. <laughs> like, I've never heard anything like it. It made no sense. I've heard a half-game suspension from coaches, but not the NCAA. <laughs> uh, not especially, you know, I remember seeing him one day, and uh, there was a couple of national sports media people that were in town. We went, you know, after dinner to go have a drink, and sitting down, and Johnny and his friends walked up and he, yeah, I just met. Did you hear it went? I said, not yet. He goes, but I killed it. And I like, you know, kind of like the same thing he said about that workout, but that was meeting with the NCA for eight hours. And he was like, oh, it went great. It's fun. It's like, it's going to be fun. And I'm going, nah, there's no way. Because by then, you know, you'd heard enough to know that he was signing stuff and going around and, you know, doing all this stuff. And you thought, for sure, there's no way. And I, he tech calls me one day. He goes, when are you going to release this stuff? And I said, oh, man. He goes, we're all sitting in my house waiting on this thing to be on the scroll. When are you going to fire off that tweet? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know what it is, and I don't believe it. I said, I'm going to send this out because I had got wind of it, not even from the A&M side. And I said, I'm going to put this out. And if it is false in any way, I said, I need you to call me within 20 seconds of me hit the post, so get ready. <laughs> I posted it. And the whole world ran with it, and I was like, gosh. He didn't text me back or call me, so I said, it must be accurate info. I just sat and went with it, because I just didn't want him to have to say it. Uh, and I was just going, he just felt so weird, half game, because that's my favorite part of the whole thing, was that it was a half game suspension, like illiness. So the story that came out of that, Billy, was that, and, and this took off where everybody picked it up, that Johnny Manziel's family, they, they had oil money. 
and that's where the money was coming in. It wasn't about signing autographs, and so they, they were able to spin it a certain way. And, of course, if you watch the documentary, you know differently than that. So when did you actually find out, you know, that there wasn't that whole story about the family money and, uh, and what was going on there because you were close to it? I found out last night hmm. at 7, about, I started at 7, about 7.45 last night, I found that out. That's one thing I did not know. I did know that I always just thought somewhere along the way because they knew that his, you know, I knew his grandfather had had oil money, had oil money. But I didn't, I knew that Johnny, you know, and, and his, family, his parents, like they're hardworking people you know it wasn't it wasn't what people painted it out to be they were much more down-to-earth hard-working people than what i was reading in terms of you know you just see the word the two words oil money and everybody immediately assumes generational wealth and nobody has to work and this kid's getting you know tens of thousands into his bank account every month to do nothing but sit there and party. And, you know, it, I knew that wasn't true. I knew that wasn't even close to true. Uh, what I didn't know is I had no idea what, what Nate said during that video that they had kind of concocted that. I just always knew it wasn't, it wasn't accurate, the picture they were painting of him. Even to this day, probably right up until last night, people would always say, you know, when they'd want to talk about Johnny, like, how much money does he make now? What does he do for money? He doesn't really have to, though. His family's got oil money, right? Like, he never has to work. And I'm just going, no, that's not... I don't care how much somebody's family or how much somebody makes. I just knew that that was some type of an exaggeration always. I just didn't know that they had started that. That was what... I, I didn't know to the point that I heard it. I was like, is that really true? But I guess it was. <laughs> Well, and something we talked about, Billy, and I'm sure you could speak a lot to it, is there, at least not that I can remember, an athlete in college sports that was able to go from, you know, nobody knowing who he was, of course, and having the great year, but then even transcending it. He was hanging out with big-time celebrities. He was at NBA games courtside. You know, Drake was around. Like, no college athlete, no matter how great they've been, have really been able to do something like that. And there it was at Texas A&M and College Station. So what did the impact have on that? For the fans, for those at part of Texas A&M, just having a lot of this national celebrity TMZ type attention where normally they never would have anything like that because, let's be honest, most college campuses wouldn't have anything like that. Yeah, no, you can go over the years. It's just a town and all, very short. You know, it's, it's, there's not very many. You think of USC with Bush and Liner, Pete Carroll. You think of the U going all the way back. Um you know, Texas has McConaughey, but they hadn't had that. It's it just been, it's not often you see that an athlete with that much attention. Or, you know, I remember, you know, Drake posted Twitter pictures of him and his buddies all wearing A&M, two number two jerseys. And, you know, and it wasn't just him. It was, every, you know, LeBron. And it was, there was so much. I, I just can remember. So I didn't when he got done playing his first year in the NFL, that's when, you know, that, that off season, he says, well, let's go, you know, we went, 
and did some traveling together, just a, a three or four of us. Uh, and just some of the people that would come up to him, whether it was in San Diego when he was training uh, with George Whitfield or whether it was in L.A. or uh, Toronto. and It was just wild. The Red Sox game, just some of the people that would approach him, you know, and not the other way around. And, and we just kind of got a glimpse into it. And I'm sitting here going, this kid is doing this. He's been doing this for the last two years while playing college football. And, and, and it started when he was 19 years old. Like, it just, that's when you really get an idea of going, gosh, I don't think anyone could have kept it on the rails at that age. Uh, not to mention, you throw in the fact that he had money from what he was doing. Uh, I don't see how anyone could have kept it on the rails. And it was that social media mixed in with his celebrity exploding at a certain period of time. And that's why I said those two passes against Bama there in the fourth quarter, it looked like Bama was going to come back and win, changed his life. But he doesn't win the Heisman without that. He wins that Heisman, you know, his, his a sense, you know, in terms of being a sports star was like meteoric from, let's say, that Scooby-Doo costume <laughs> through that Heisman win, through that Cotton Bowl. And then, you know, that like four weeks on, he was just, he it, it really was like a rock star. And everywhere he went, he was still, you know, 20. He was like 20 years old. So it was, that was, I think, too much, too quickly. You see it in a lot of different things besides sports, but social media propelled that and it gave him access to all these people and gave those people access to him. Uh, again, you see it in, in music a lot. You see it in entertainment, like with young actors and stuff. And it was like that much that it definitely, you know, in some ways, there are points in time where I'll tell you he did a good job of, oh, not a good job, but I'm just sitting there going, I'm surprised he survived it. Because you've seen it eat people up in other uh, in other avenues, especially when you're involved in you know alcohol and drugs. So it was you know I think particularly when you talk about that time when he was out in L.A. after he played, you know he was truly living uh, that whatever rock star Hollywood A-list lifestyle. Uh, but doing so also with a hell of a lot of regret and almost like, you know, say self-loathing or whatever. So those were kind of dark. That was a dark period for him. And the good news is, I mean, you know, if I, if I told you where he was like five years ago versus today and five years ago, I said, Hey, five years from now, he's going to be here. And you would never have believed it. So he, he's done a hell of a job of, of, uh, you know, picking things back up and kind of getting back up and saying, all right, we're going to, we got a long journey ahead of us, but I'm ready to get it started. Billy, something that stood out was uh, before Manziel exploded on the scene, Cliff Kingsbury told you at one time that he was the guy. So take us back to that time, the quarterback competition that was going on and some of the other players that were involved in it. And prior to Cliff Kingsbury telling you that, did you have a sense that there was another quarterback that, that may have been emerging from what you saw before hearing from Cliff Kingsbury? Well, Jameel Showers was, if you go out and watch him, and he ended up playing 
safety, ironically enough, in Dallas Cowboys for a few years. And he was a hell of an athlete, Jamil. Great, great dude. Like, if Jamil Showers, if you watch him throw a football, not just against Johnny, but against anyone, that dude could sling it. And he was built, and he was strong, and he was a very smart guy. He had been in Mike Sherman's system for a minute. Had Mike Sherman not been fired, Johnny and I were joking about this today because he was like, Jamil probably would have been really hard to beat out Mike Sherman's pro-style offense. Um, and certainly Johnny, if he wasn't in any trouble, would have had a hard time winning that battle. Uh, Cliff just had come off at U of H, and they were coaching you know, Case Keenum there. And they love Case, and he see all these years later, you still see why. But, the, you know, he just says, like, Case. And Case had to win a battle. Like, when they got there, I think, under Bryles the year before, they were going two quarterbacks. And they got there, and it was basically like, okay, Keenum, dude. And he, he told me that story. He said, but like, Case, Johnny has all those intangibles, and once he starts playing, there's no looking back. And they just said he's just got that it about him, that dog about him that you that you love to coach and that's going to win you games, and it's what we need going in the SEC. And the dude gets rid of the football. He either takes off and runs, he gets rid. He's decisive, and they just he was basically like he's the guy that's going to win us games. He's our best option to win a bunch, but he's got to win that job in front of the team because. Jamil is a guy that can throw, and he does really well in practice and does everything right, and we're not just giving it to him. But I don't think there's any doubt in Cliff's mind what was ultimately going to happen. They just couldn't bestow it on him until until everybody on, you know, on that, in that locker room knew it was the right thing to do. Well, Billy, hey, man, before we let you get out of here, this is a question I don't know, maybe you and Johnny have actually talked about it, but say if Johnny Manziel entered into college football now, at Texas A&M, with NIL, with uh, all the transfer portal, with all the stuff that's going on, do you think that it would have been the same type of scenario where he would have had the same success, or do you think that there would have been a lot more coming in his way to where it could have changed his entire outlook and his entire career as a college football player? Goodness, that's that's hard to say. I, you know, I think he would have stayed another year in college station. I do think that. But I think it would have been, I mean, man, back then, imagine the leverage he would have. (laughs) I don't, well, Alabama wants me. They need a quarterback. They don't love Jalen Milrow or or Ty Simpson. I just can't imagine that that walking back in and saying, hey, Bama wants me, and his word is I can get this much a year. And A&M couldn't let him leave, so then he gets that much. I mean, it would have been just, in some ways, it's probably best he wasn't there during NIL. But at the same time, you do wish for as much money as he generated for A&M at that time that he could have been getting compensated without having to uh, run and hide from it. And, And no matter how much he was compensated through, signings or things like that. That's the speculation you've read over the years. But it, it still would pale in comparison to what he could do today legally through NIL. Yeah, 
that's fun to think about, that's for sure. Hey, Billy, man, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Great stuff on the documentary, really fascinating things, man. If you have, if you haven't seen it there in the audience, go check it out on Netflix. It's about Johnny Manziel. And I uh, appreciate you coming on and talking a lot more about it, man. It was great, and uh, look forward to catching up with you some other time later down the road. All right, thanks a lot.